0: even about Christmas. And our Christmas was typically bright, eventful. Um, I am beginning to think that maybe my life runs from event to event just for the simple analogy of stories from the platform. Because if we didn't have crazy stuff happen in our life, we'd have nothing to talk to you about from up here. So our Christmas was somewhat eventful and it all started from me setting the Christmas table. And... Um, I had this small window in which I had the time slot put to one side to set the Christmas table. And that was between services on the Sunday, just prior to Christmas. Don't know if you remember that Sunday. It was a bit crazy. We had Santa, we had donkeys and all sorts going on in church. So I dashed home and I set my Christmas table and I go to town on the table. And... um, I'd set it all beautifully. We came back. We did church. We got home. I was feeling super organized. And then I ran the shower and um, left it running to warm up for a while. And then without me realizing we had blockage in our shower. And um, anyway, long story short, our dining room was directly underneath the bathroom. And it rained through the ceiling all over my Christmas table. It was like a beautiful scene out of a Garden water feature. It was, I had green ivy trailing down the center of a white table, and the green came off the ivy and stained the table. The plates were puddling. Everybody's table present was like paper mache. It was not a good time. I was just like, I really do not have time for this. Well, that was the first event of the Brian Christmas. Saga. Well, the second one was on Christmas morning when our youngest son opened, remember his Amazon wish list? He opened his Amazon wish list and he got a drone that he'd been really waiting for. And he was super excited about his drone. And uh, Luke, being a very good father, sat him down and read him the riot act of how you do not go out and fly this thing without a responsible adult with you. Drones are causing havoc with the airports right now drones are interfering with flights and they're causing chaos and people are getting in trouble with the police with the drones so do not go out with your drone fly it around the house so Christmas afternoon he's flying his drone around we've got quite high ceilings in our home but it, his drone was getting caught up in the lights and it was getting stuck in the blinds and about eight o'clock on Christmas night Luke said come to the bottom of the drive and I'll show you just what your drone can do Well, it wasn't very many minutes later before this 12-year-old with a very long face walked through the front door and said something like, my dad has sent my drone into space. (laughs) A few moments later, Luke walks through the front door and gives me one of those looks like, don't open your mouth. Picked up his car keys and took off around our neighborhood, (laughs) 8 o'clock at night, pitch black looking on the rooftops, looking in trees, looking on the main road, anywhere to find the drone. He consequently came back empty-handed. And the next morning, he got up and he, he got dressed and he was back in the car and he's saying to me, I don't know what happened. It just stopped responding to the control. Like got a mind of its own and it just went up. I'm like, a drone can't get a mind of its own. It's only going to follow the command that you've given it. He was like, it just went. And um, so anyway, Boxing Day morning, he was off around the neighborhood looking for the drone and uh, consequently came back empty-handed and then was online to Amazon by Boxing Day afternoon, reordering his son a Christmas gift. So they were just two of the events that happened in the Brighton household. You know, we were not born or built to be drones or clones. We're the human race. And God designed us with a free will and a choice on our own way of thinking That you know, he did give us a manual to follow our lives by. It's called the Bible. You know, my son loves to tell me that the Bible is basic instruction before leaving earth. And so we have a Bible to follow as a guide for our lives. And quite often, we make our decisions with nothing to do with the Bible. We don't pick it up. We don't read it from one week to the next. And I wonder sometimes how often God is looking down going, yeah, there goes another one. They're destined for a crash at some point or another because they're trying to make their choices and trying to carve their life out without reading the basic instruction that I've given to man. But here's the thing at the end of every year, we are gifted with yet another new year, a brand new year, a brand new set of 12 months to go and have a crack at this thing called life again to go and improve, like Josh has just said, certain areas of our life that perhaps were not so great the year before. We go again with all the determination, this is the year that I am going to change. This is the year I will lose the weight. How many people have said that? Don't put your hand up. But I reckon a good portion of you have said, this is my year. This is the year I'm going to become out of debt this is the year I'm going to get out of that dead-end job. This is the year, and I am determined I'm going to get more out of my life this year than I did in the previous year. And so the first week in January, I'm pretty sure that's where most of our thinking is at. I'm pretty sure that's where most of our thoughts are at that we feel focused and ready to make a few changes. I think whether we voice it or not, whether we make a resolution or we do not, the truth is we all desire for something in our lives to change this coming year. If we don't desire something to change, we are in fact saying, my life is perfect. And if your life is perfect, then that can only be because you are perfect And if you are perfect, then Jesus, you are welcome here. But the rest of us need help. And so this message today is for anyone who says, this is me. At the start of this year, I am the one saying, yeah, right now, I want to see change in my life. I'm full of determination. I want to see things change, not just practically, but spiritually speaking, By the end of 2019, I want to know my Bible better than I know it now. By the end of 2019, I want to see some of my prayers answered. By the end of 2019, I want to see a difference in the way that I serve. I want more of an opportunity to give and become more involved. However, we all know this is day six of week one, month one. And we all know the truth is that by weeks three and four, we have begun to slump back into old mindsets and pick up those bad habits that we are so desperately trying to lose and change. We've called this series The Holiday Hangover for a very good reason. The word hangover is usually um, associated with the effects that you are left with after the fun you thought you were having the night before. It can leave you with a hangover. And so we come off the Christmas season and we can all be carrying the effects of a hangover. Some of your hangovers look like debt. Debt. You were having such a good time over Christmas, you overspent. It felt good at the time and it felt necessary at the time, but now the holiday season has passed. You're left with a hangover of debt and you know you've got to pay back where you overspent. For some of us, over the Christmas season has left us with a hangover called excess weight. You only ever intended to eat one mince pie but one mince pie turned into two mince pies. And three, four, and five mince pies later, you are now carrying a hangover of excess weight, and it doesn't feel good on you, and you know it's got to go. For many, the holiday period can leave you with a hangover that feels like depression. It's like the party is finished and the decorations are away and the trees come down. The family's gone home and the friends have returned to their normal activities. And you are left with the aftermath after all the fun and games have died down and life has resumed back to normal. And you're left with that feeling of sadness that I've got to face yet another year alone. And it leaves you on an all-time low. We all have a holiday hangover, in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with anybody who has had a hangover due to excessive alcohol drinking. Um, All look at me. Now, don't be looking to the left or the right. But I am told that when you have a conversation with somebody who is suffering with a hangover, you will hear them say things like, I'm never going to drink again. They say things like, I'm never going to make that choice again. I'm not going to be that way. I'm not going to do that thing. I don't want to be that person anymore. And yet every New Year's Eve, we too stand to make the same promises to ourselves that we made the year before, that we made the year before that and the year before that. We say the same things. We look back on the year that has been and we see all of the things that we disliked and did not like, the things we did, the things we said, the way things turned out and we say, I'm going to change. I'm not going to be that person anymore. I believe that there are things within all of us that we do desire to see change. Some of us, it's the way we think. It's the way we process thoughts. You know it's wrong, and you, you want to be clearer in your thinking. You want it to change. For some of you, it's dumb decisions that were made in 2018 that had a really negative effect in your life, and you're like, I'm, not, I'm just not going to be that person anymore. I'm not going to make those crazy decisions wrong mindsets, negative attitudes that caused our 2018 not to go according to plan. It didn't turn out quite how we intended. So now at the start of yet another year, we find ourselves saying, this year, I am going to change. Do you know the desire to change is God-inspired? It's not a good idea that we have. It's not just something that we do out of habit at the start of every year, but it is actually an innate desire that God has put in you because he designed you to be progressive in life. Your life, no matter what age or stage you are at, should not be on a decline but should always be on an incline. You should always be inspiring. We should always be inspiring to change and to progress the way that I am is not the way that I want to stay. And God wants you in word and deed and thought and in your speech to be changing all of the time. You know, this year your, your, your manner of speech should be a lot more gracious than it was last year the way you get involved and you serve and you help, not just within the church, but your friends and your neighbours, it should be more so than it was last year. Your life should always be progressive. You know, we only get one shot at this thing called life, just one. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is your life. One shot at it. Therefore, We have to be purposeful about the way we execute it in order to get the very best out of it. You know, the dictionary definition for the word hangover shocked me when I looked into it. The dictionary definition says this, a hangover is a custom, a habit, or a feeling that survives from the past. I personally always thought the word hangover was a word they had created to describe the after effects of alcohol. I just thought they'd shove two words together and come up with this word called hangover. But actually, they described the after effects of alcohol after the word hangover, which is a custom, a habit, or a feeling that survives from the past. In other words, it is the result of something negative, a negative past experience that is still having an effect on your life today. That could be something that happened in your childhood that is still affecting your life today. It could be something that happened to you last week that you can't move on from and it's having an effect on your life today. You could be 40 years old carrying around a massive insecurity because of something that happened to you back in your school days. You could be a grown man dealing with bouts of anxiety as a result of a parent that walked out on you when you were a child. It's a hangover from your past that is affecting your life today. You could be a mother of three having outbursts of uncontrollable anger because of an abuse that you suffered several years earlier. And it's a hangover. It's having an outwork, a negative effect on your life today. And we've all got them, hangovers, in some way, shape or form, something from our past experience, something that happened to us, something that was said to us, something that we did, and it plays in your mind and it still has an effect on your life today. So we, we, and, and those hangovers, they stop us from making the permanent changes that we desire to see changed in our life. That's why every year it just becomes a cycle where we intend to make some changes, but we get sucked back into old mindsets and old and old patterns. So today I want to help build a process into your life, a process into your thinking that should you so follow this biblical principle, it is gonna help you move on from some of those hang-ups and hangovers that have plagued you for years. The past you cannot change. But the future, you have the opportunity to change. But the future is only ever going to be what you build it to be. The future is going to happen. Whether you design your life or you do not, the future is going to happen. So you have to make a choice. Am I going to build my life by design? am I just going to let be whatever will be the choice is yours, and so I want to take you to the life of a master builder in the bible he 's the first guy who is he 's the first guy who is um, written in the Bible to be a builder, a constructor an architect, a designer, and his name is Noah now I think most of us are familiar with the story of Noah and his ark we heard it from our childhood days. But do we know the reason Noah was built in the ark? Do we know the reason God was flooding the earth? Well, the prequel to the story of Noah and his ark can be summed up in one verse in the Bible, which I personally think is the saddest verse in the Bible. And it's in Genesis 6, and it simply says this. God was sorry that he had made the human race in the first place. It broke his heart. Do you know that you have the ability to break the heart of God? Think about it. You might be sitting there going, well, you know, I don't even know God. I've never had a relationship with God, never been a religious person. You still have the ability to break his heart because your heart can only be broken by someone you love. If you don't care for someone, they can't break your heart. But a person that you love, be it a sibling, a spouse, a parent, a child, they have the ability to break your heart. And the Bible tells us, for God so loved the world, you, me, and everyone in it. But at this time and day and age of Noah, it says that he was sorry he made the human race because the entire human race was breaking his heart. Sin was at an all-time high on the land. There was just debauchery and wickedness and every wrong kind of behavior you could possibly think of. So God decided that the earth was so corrupt that he was going to do away with it. All of creation, everything that he'd made and start all over again. But in verse eight, it says this, but Noah was different and God liked what he saw in Noah. And so he told Noah what was going to happen. Can I just say There is nothing in your future that is a surprise to God. He knows exactly what is coming up in your life. He knows exactly what is going to happen next. The Bible tells us that he's seen every single one of your days, even the ones you've not yet lived. He's already seen you waving goodbye to 2019 and welcoming in 2020. And he's seen every single day in between. He knows your life, even before you've lived it. He knows what's coming up next. He knows what's going to happen next. And he says, do you know what? I've got a blueprint for you. I've got a guide. I've got a plan to see you safe, to set you up strong, to see you through the other side, to get you through this year the best way possible. And here's the thing. He's not, he's not on about keeping it to himself. He says, I've made provision for you already in the hard times, and it's no secret. God's open to telling you. But the thing that separated Noah to the rest of the human race all those years ago was that Noah had a relationship with God that enabled him to hear from God. God. Do you know, we can, God is speaking all of the time. The question is, are we listening? Can we hear him? And you know, it's not about just hearing with these ears. When when you read the Bible, every time you open the word of God, God wants to speak to you. You can open your Bible and you can read words off a page, or you can let the words on that page read you. And when you do, God will speak into your life. He'll speak into your situation. He'll highlight areas that he wants to change and wants to help you in. You know, every Sunday we come into this place and God speaks to you from the platform. And everyone in the room listens to the same message. But only those with an open, willing heart will hear the changes and the adjustments and the direction that God wants to take their lives on. And so God is always speaking to us. So God said to Noah in verse 14, build yourself a large boat. I mean, random, build yourself a boat. But here's the thing, he said, you build it, Noah. I've got the blueprint. I've got the design. I've got a plan to change your life and save your life. But Noah, you've got to build the boat yourself. You've got to build it. God downloaded to Noah the blueprint for the boat. If you read it in Genesis 6, it's quite fascinating. He gives him all the dimensions. He tells him how long the boat's got to be and how high it's got to be and what kind of wood to make it out with and what to coat it in. It tells him how many floors it's going to be. God is very specific. What size the window should be, where the window should be positioned, where the door should be positioned. He gave Noah all of the details, but Noah... You're going to have to work, and you're going to have to sweat, and you're going to have to toil, and you're going to have to labor, and you are going to have to build this boat yourself. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be a quick fix. You're going to have to work on it day and night, work on it intentionally building what I have downloaded into you. Commit yourself to my instruction. God told Noah to build the boat, but he didn't build it for him. And so often, we want God to deliver us from our problem. We want God to change the situation. We want him to deliver us out of our mess, but we want him to build the ark for us as well. And so we wait on God. And I hear it all the time. I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting to see what God wants to do with my life. And we wait for God to do something. And while we're waiting for God to do something, we're actually doing nothing. But actually, God is waiting for you. He's waiting for you to pick up the hammer, so to speak, pick up the nails and start building something with your life. And you might be like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm supposed to build. I've got this plan of a boat. What does God want from my life? Well, maybe he's just giving you the thought right now, I need to stop swearing. I need to start building a difference into my life. I need to change the way that I speak. Maybe he's just told you right now, you've got to stop gossiping. Let's build something out of this life that's different. Maybe he's just told you right now to just keep picking that one person up and bringing them to church. And when We learn to be faithful in the small things. God will expand on what his plan is for your life. You can't wait for the Lord. You you could wait for God to change things for you. You can sit and you can wait and you can pray for God to change your situation around. But I tell you this, you'll waste years of your life just waiting on God just waiting on God. Well, all the time he's waiting on you because it's your action that is a trigger point for God to do something in your life. It's your action. And let me show you what I mean, because all throughout scriptures, we are shown and we are taught that God is attracted to motion. Every time a man said, I will do something and moved, God attached himself to the situation and God blessed it. Let me tell you what it says in Psalm 1, 3. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never, never wither, and they prosper in all they do. You and I prosper in all you do. You don't prosper in what you intend to do. You don't prosper in the way that you think. You don't prosper in a good idea. You don't prosper in good intentions. You don't prosper in a one-day-maybe. You don't even prosper in your prayers, but you prosper in your doing. The blessing of God and the hand of God is upon what you do. The prosperity comes and the blessing comes in the doing if you don't build something, God can't bless it. So I want to give you three very quick points from Noah's building of the ark experience. I want to give you three points that if we apply these three points into the building and the structure of our lives, then it's going to help you go into 2019 hangover free. Point number one, what God asks you to build can look very different to those around you. He's going to ask you to build something with your life that looks very different to perhaps your friends and your family who are not walking with God. Do you know when God asked Noah to build an ark, do you know that mankind had never even seen a boat at that time? So while everybody else is busy building their homes, Noah's building this monstrosity that the shape looks different and the size is different and the people would have been laughing at him and jeering at him. But God has got a blueprint that is just for your life and the problem is today we try and live a life that when we are in the workplace, we try and become like the work people, the people that we work with. And we try and mimic their behavior and their lifestyle. And then we go out socializing. And then we want to be like the friends we socialize with. And we do all the silly things and the habits that they do. And we want to become like those kinds of people. And then we come into the house of God and we try to be the Christian. And we try to live right life the right way and do the things the Christians do. And all the time, we're looking and trying to build our life of what we see of everybody else's life. And God says, no, 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 I've got a blueprint for you. I've got something that is just for your life and your life alone. But I need you to start to build. And when you start to build, then I can begin to create something glorious, something magnificent, something tremendous out of your life. But you've got to start to build and it's going to look different to those around you. It's going to look like building morals into your life whilst living in a society that's on a complete moral decline. It looks like honoring and being a keeper of your word in a world that says talk is cheap and words carry no weight. No, 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 no. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. And if you've said you you will do it, then commit to doing it. Be clear in your language. It looks like keep on loving even when you're hurting the most. It's a different kind of life to what the world knows. It looks like walking in forgiveness before there's ever been an apology. There may never come an apology, but it should not stop you walking in forgiveness towards the person. It's building a life that is different. It's having integrity. It's having morals and values and truths in a corrupt and dishonest world. You know when you're building a life that is pleasing to, to God because you feel like the salmon that is swimming upstream. You know a natural school of fish, they just go with the flow of the current of the river. But the salmon, they swim against the current and they can't afford to stop moving at any one time because the minute they stop moving, they're going to get swept along with all of the other fish. And I don't know why God designed the salmon to swim up the stream. Maybe it was just for the purpose of analogy so that we would have something to grasp hold of to help us and to encourage us. But that is what your life looks like when you're building a life of integrity to walk with God to better yourself. It feels like the salmon swimming upstream, but that's the hard work. That's the commitment. That's where we have to put in the labor and be diligent and faithful in all that we do. And you are going to have days where you want to just go with the flow. You're going to have days when it's going to feel like just, just going to be easier. If I could just swim my head off today, it's going to be so much easier. If I could just The kids, it's going to be so much easier just to tell the neighbor what I think about him. It's so much easier just to have an outburst of anger. It's so much easier just to cook the books in my business a little bit. It's so much easier to just not get out of bed and go to work and then lie about it. It's so much easier to go with the flow. If you want what everybody else has got, then you keep going and doing what everybody else is doing. But if you want a life that is different, a life that God can build something great out of, then you're going to have to put in the hard work and you're going to have to put in the labor and the drive and the determination to see the the changes that you desire have to have a stronger pull on you than the opinions of other people. Just as it was, just... And so we've got to pick up, sorry, we've got to pick up the hammer of determination and we've got to drive in the nails of discipline. And we have got to go and go and drive home our lives. It's easier to do what the world does. It's easiest thing in the world to drink yourself into a stupor. It's the easiest thing in the world to experiment sexually as much as you can before you get married. Everybody does it. What's the problem? Well, what kind of a life? you want to build? Because if you want a life that God can honor and bless, we have to build with integrity. Okay, the second point. When God asks you to build, be prepared to look foolish. Oh yeah, being a fool. It means people will talk about you. Being a fool, it means they'll laugh at you. They laughed at Noah building his boat. They mocked at Noah building his boat. The man looked crazy. And you know, people are going to mock at you. They're going to criticize the decisions that you make. They're going to laugh at the choices that you are now choosing. They're going to say quirky things about you. They're going to take the mick out of you because you put time aside each and every Sunday to go to church. Oh, and you go to a life group in the week as well. And that just sounds nuts. They're going to have an opinion on what you do with your life. They're going to say things about you. Make fun. You're going to be made to feel different because you don't do the stuff that you used to do. But the desire to do it the right way has to be stronger on you, again, than the opinions of others. Just as it was for a small boy who believed he could take down a giant with just a slingshot and a stone with an entire army laughing at him and jeering at him. He did not cave in to peer pressure because doing right in the eyes of God and the blessing he was going to receive from God, David knew that he was building his life the right way. Foolishness looks like taking five loaves and two fish to Jesus, asking Jesus to bless it and go and feed 15,000 people. That's what foolishness looks like. But this one small boy... And it was the disciples that laughed at him and the disciples that mocked him and said, hey, go and sit down, stop bothering the master. That is silly behavior. But this one small boy, he knew that if I just do something, then with my something, God can do anything. But God can't do anything until we're first prepared to give him our something. Know what else foolishness looks like? Foolishness looks like buying a derelict building in the back end of Everton. Shoved up an alleyway somewhere. And thinking that God will make it an oasis of hope for many, many lives. But a group of people who picked up their hammers and picked up their nails and said, God, if we do what you, if we do what we know that we can do, then we believe, God, that you will do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask or hope or imagine. Foolishness. When everybody said it couldn't be done. Foolishness! Everybody said it wouldn't work, but our drive and determination to build the house of God was more than the opinions of others. So Noah is building his ark and he's looking like a fool because not only has um, nobody ever seen a boat before, they've never seen rain. Up until that point in history, the ground would get watered from springs that would come up out of the ground and it would water the plants never seen rain come down from the sky before, but God has told Noah what is about to happen. I don't know if you know what it's like trying to articulate to somebody who just doesn't get you. You know when you just know that God is doing something in you, change is happening, I'm just not the person I used to be. God's just challenging me to stop some behavioural patterns and start to turn my life around. I'm trying to explain it to people, but they're just looking at me like I'm a fool. Noah was building something that didn't even fit his environment. He wasn't even near the sea. There wasn't even any water around. It didn't fit his environment. And maybe the dream that you incubate in your heart, something that you do desperately want to do in your life, something you want to achieve, the person you want to become, maybe it doesn't fit the environment that you're in right now. But when the rain comes, people are going to see that what you've built with your life now makes sense. When the rain came, the ark began to float and all of a sudden, it made sense. And people are going to see the way you've built your life financially now. It makes sense. When the rain comes and the hard times hit, people are going to understand the way you've built your life relationally. It just now makes sense. Oh, they might mock you for going to church and laugh at you for being a Christian and a God follower and all of those other things, but there will come a day when it's your door, they're knocking on for help. And could you possibly pray for me? Because all of a sudden, the spiritual life that you've built into yourself, it now makes sense. The Bible says that Noah hurried to build the ark. He, he didn't make haste. He just went heads down and he busied himself with what he believed that God had told him to do. I don't know what it is you believe that God has told you to do just the simplest of things. Maybe it's just get your own house in order. Go home and get home in order. Love your husband a bit more. Do something, anything, just a something, a small step in the right direction because it will attract God's favour. And so Noah hurried building the ark because God wants to see you and I busy with our efforts, busy doing, not moping around, not talking about everything, what's not going right, not talking about all the things that are going wrong. Listen to this, this is so important. If Noah was the only righteous man that God could find upon the earth at that time, do you know what that meant? It meant Noah had no friends. He might have had neighbours and people he associated with, but he had no friends, no one of a kindred spirit, no one that he could just talk to. No one that he could just go to and say, would you pray with me? No one he could turn to and say, this is what I think God is speaking to me, but I'm not sure. Can you give me some counsel? Can you give me some encouragement? What is your advice on it? He had no one. And I think there has to come a mentality of maturity upon the church where we stop going from person to person and bleating about our problems because God's given you the blueprint for your life. He's given you the idea is of how to pull your situation around, how to build your ship. He's given you the blueprint, everything you need to sustain you, to save you, to change you, to see you through this coming year. But the more we're going around talking about it, the less we're actually doing. God wants you to build your own ark in 2019. And the first thing, building with God looks like putting your efforts into your future and not your past. Noah put all of his efforts into building for the future. We put all of our efforts into the past. Our conversation is all about what has been, where we've been, what we've done who we saw, how it was, when it was, what it was like, it's all past reflective. We need to get some different language about us, church. What are we going for this year? What are we going for individually? What are we going for as a church? Let's start our conversation about all that is to come. You know, we, we, we can't move past certain situations. We get stuck in what has happened, the person that hurt us, what they said about us, what they did to me. I'm so offended. Five years on and I'm still talking about what that person did. We can't seem to move on. We're feeling resentful about the start we had in life, the family I was born into compared to the family that she was born into. I never got the start in life that everybody else got. I didn't have the upbringing that person had. I didn't get the privileges and the love and the attention and the schooling that they had. Problem is, I'm 30 years old and I'm still talking about the rubbish start I had in life. When are you going to start looking to the future and speaking about your future? The past you cannot fix, but the future you can change. I'm stuck looking backwards at why I got made redundant from that job. Why did the letter land on my desk? What is it about me? Stuck over the boyfriend who ditched you for another model and now you're stalking hair on Facebook seeing what she looks like, seeing what she's wearing, stuck in that place over a boyfriend who wasn't worth it in the first place. Build yourself a future. We walk around wondering what's wrong with me? Oh, are they all talking about me? Why do I feel this, this way? Why don't I fit in? Is it because of what's happened to me? Is it because of my past? Do they all know? It's all inward and backward looking. You know, as a little girl... Around Christmas time, one of my favorite movies to watch was Dr. Dolittle and his crazy animals. Uh, not the Eddie Murphy type, but the original Dr. Doolittle movie. And Dr. Doolittle had a two-headed llama, and the llama was called a push-me-pull-you llama. And this llama, I think we have an image of it somewhere, but this llama was um, had its two heads, one at either end. And every time it tried to take a step forward, it was actually taking a step back at the same time. And every time it tried to go in one direction, it found that it was going in the opposite direction also. It could see where it wanted to go, but it was also very aware of where it had been. And every time it walked in this direction, it found itself walking in that direction at the same time. And I feel that many people live their life like a push me, pull you, llama. You know where you want to go, but you're still very focused on where you've been. You know how, how, how to get to where you want to go. And every time you take a couple of steps in that direction, you're so reminded of the past life that you've had and the mistakes that you made that you pull yourself back. You've got all the focus to go forward, but you're still so focused on what is behind you. And consequently, you're stuck in life and you make no progress at all. And that is why every year you make the same promises to yourself over and over and over again and very little changes. But I just want to encourage you at the close of tonight, you know, there are plenty of people in this place that will tell you and give witness to the fact that your past can be an absolute, mess. But if you can get let go of that which you cannot change and put all your efforts into building your future in God, your life can be amazing. Let's stand tonight, church.